going to be singing Angels We Have Heard on High.
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, I want to welcome you to our service of worship here this evening at First Church in New Knoxville for our candlelight Christmas Eve service. I'm so glad to see all of you here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Joel. I'm the senior pastor here at First Church, and I'm really glad that you've taken time this evening to come and worship with us as we worship Christ, our newborn King. I invite you to pray with me at this time. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather here once again to praise you for the gift of new life that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection, and the new life that he has given to all who believe in him. I pray that as we worship you tonight, Lord, you would be, you would be honored and glorified in all that we do. And may those that are gathered here and those that are also watching online, Lord, may you draw us to yourself through word, through song, and through prayer tonight. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This time I want to invite forward the Mark and Christy Hoagie family, and they're going to be lighting our Advent candles for us this evening. Good evening. On this Christmas Eve, we are gathered as God's people to celebrate again what Christ's coming means to the world. We join with Christians all over the world who are celebrating tonight. Tonight, we relight the four Advent candles and recall what the good news means. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift who makes all these other gifts possible. So we light the Christ candle now as we think about what Christ's coming means to each one of us. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for your gift of Jesus Christ to the entire world. We thank you that Christ's coming makes hope, peace, joy, and love possible for every person and every nation. Encourage us to do our part to bring goodwill and peace to our families, our churches, our community, and the world. Now let your spirit put us in touch with you, the living God, through the words and music we hear tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, let's continue in a spirit of worship, and I invite you, if you're able to stand with us, we're going to sing hymns number 131 and 145. Let's sing and praise the Lord together.
seated. Our first scripture reading for tonight is taken from Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Now let us stand and sing hymn number 137, What Child Is This?
be seated. Second scripture reading this evening is from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be, give, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared. And the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope The weary world rejoices For yonder breaks A new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Christ was born, oh night divine, oh night, oh night divine, led by the light of faith serenely be. With glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. 
So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here came the wise men from Orient land. The King of kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials, born to be our friend. He knows our need to our weaknesses, no stranger. Behold our King before Him lowly bend. Behold your King before Him lowly bend. Congregation, please rise and join us in the singing of verse 3. Truly He taught us to love one another. His law is love and His gospel is peace. Change shall we break for the slave is our brother and in His name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise His holy name. Christ is the
for the opportunity to gather here this evening and to lift up your name in praise. Lord God, as we sing angelic chorus we just read about in, in, in Luke chapter 2, who just couldn't help but burst out into song and praise at the news and the announcement of Jesus' birth and what it means for us. Lord God, let us never stop giving praise and thanks to you for who you are and what you've done for us. I pray that your spirit would continue to guide us through this evening and throughout our lives. May we live in light of all that you've done for us. We pray these things now in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I want to invite our children that are here with us tonight to come forward for children's chat.
Hi guys, how are you? Good. Good. Is everybody ready for Christmas tomorrow? Yes. Yes? All right. Well, I have a fun little thing so that we can learn a little bit about a, what is this? A candy cane. Who likes candy canes? Me. Yes, I do too. They're so good. So, oh, we got a lot coming. Ains. All right. So, we are going to learn about a candy cane. And what letter does this make? A J. A J. What do you think that you can think of to remind you of a J in a candy cane? Case. Jesus. Jesus. Now, what colors are my candy canes? Yell them out. Red and white. What? Yellow and green. Well, they may have some yellow and green ones, but this one is red and white. What do you think, Tuck? What do you think our white could represent? You know red? Well, tell me what red is. You're so right. The red, every time you look at a candy cane and you see the color red, think of Jesus's blood that he shed on the cross. Do you guys see this cross right here? Right here? Yeah. Jesus died on the cross. And that blood, the the color of red, represents his blood, which represents his love. Does he love everybody up here on this stage? You bet he does. Does he love everybody out here in the audience and the congregation? You bet he does. Does he love everybody in the world? You bet he does. Did he make all of us? Yes. We are all created in God's image. Now, does anybody know what the white could represent? Miss Emma. What? Not angels. What do you think, Jojo? Jojo, yes. God wipes away our sins. God is the only person that white represents. White represents purity. Purity means that nothing is wrong. Nothing, absolutely nothing was wrong with Jesus. He did not sin. He did not do anything wrong. He couldn't do anything wrong. Why couldn't he do anything wrong? Because he is the son of God. God. Right. So when you think of white, you think of God's purity and how he, he can also do what to us? When we believe in Jesus with our heart, he can also take all of the junk in us and he can wash it away. He makes us whole. He makes us brand new. And he can wash us white as snow. Now, Miss Shelby is holding it like this. So we already talked about the letter J, J, which meant Jesus. We talked about the red, which was his blood, which was his sacrifice, his love for us. We talked about the white, which is the purity 
which he could do no wrong, but he makes us whole also. And then what does this look like? What does this shape? Bryce, a shepherd's hook. Now, why would we be talking about a shepherd's hook? Beckham, what do you think a shepherd's hook is? Do you remember in our nativity story, a shepherd's hook? Who carries that hook? A You got it, buddy. And where, like, what kind of animal does the shepherd lead? Goats. Goats? Goat. Sheep. Thanks, EJ. Sheep. A shepherd guards his sheep. And you know what? We are Jesus' sheep. Jesus is our good shepherd. And what I mean by that is that anything, anything that we can in our life, God guides us. God and Jesus, they are our good shepherds. They make sure that when we're doing wrong things, we do right things. When we have hard times in life, we turn to Jesus and we pray, Jesus, please help me. And he is our shepherd and he guides us. So we learned about Jesus, his blood, his purity, and how he is our good shepherd. Okay? So I want you, anytime you look at a candy cane, you can think of those things to remind you that it's not just candy and it's not just fun to eat. But there's a lot of really good meaning behind a candy cane to remind you the real meaning of Christmas and what Christmas actually means to us. Because Christmas is so special. Jesus came down as a little baby to be with us and to save us and to show us how to live. And he was our biggest example of how to live life. So can you guys all bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, man, we thank you for coming as a little baby and that we can be reminded every single year that you came here on this earth to not only love us, to not only show us how to live and to be an example for us of how our our daily lives should be, the closeness and the fondness that we should have with you, Lord. Thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for coming for down here on earth, out of heaven, just to be with us. And thank you, Lord, for your love. And, and I pray all of this in your heavenly name. Amen. And kids, down here on the front pew, you guys all get a candy cane message and a candy cane to take back with you, okay? All right, make sure you guys grab those on your way back to your seats. This time I want to invite the choir forward. Uh, we are about to take up our offering this evening. Our offering this, this evening and uh, for all Christmas Eve services for as far back as I'm aware, I can remember, uh, will go to support Tanner's Romanian Mission. This is a, a group we've supported for some time. Right there. This is a group we've supported for some time, and our Christmas Eve offering is a way that we can bless them and the work that they do. So I invite you to give as you feel led to give this evening. 
Um, and if you're a, a guest or visitor with us tonight, of course, there's no pressure to give. I just encourage you to give as you feel led to give. Let me pray as I and ask for God's blessing upon this offering. Father God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to give back to you now. And I pray that, you, that this offering would be a blessing to Tanner's Romanian mission. May you use it to further the work, the good work that they do. And I pray that you would bless them, not just financially, but give them all that they need to continue that work. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite the deacons to come forward to collect their offering now at this time.
remain standing for scripture from John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created. That has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own. His own people did not recognize him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took a residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory of as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You may be seated. Amen. Let's pray together again. Father God, I thank you that we have an opportunity now to hear from your word as we have throughout this night. As we look at both Luke 2 and John chapter 1, and I pray that you would give us open hearts and open minds to what you have in store for us this evening, Lord. And I pray that you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We all know that there's a lot of joy and wonder and excitement this time of year, don't we? I mean, it's, it's amazing to, to be here in the sanctuary together and praising God and hearing the voices of everybody joining together as one. Uh, it's exciting to, to go out and see all the Christmas decorations. Uh, we had an opportunity a couple weekends ago to go up to the Auglaize County Fairgrounds and drive through and see the light display up there. I think even people that aren't Christians, even people that wouldn't call themselves people of faith, still find a lot of reason to be excited this time of year. But as we think this evening about what Christmas really means, as we think about the, the, about what Jesus has come to do, we can't help but think that that is the most exciting thing of all, isn't it? That the birth of our Savior is the, is the reason for us all to have. It's the, reason, it's the greatest reason of all to be excited. And so we've heard from two different passages of Scripture, both pointing to this amazing, important reality that Jesus, our Savior, was born. Now Luke 2 is kind of the traditional passage that we hear every Christmas. Shepherds out in the field, angels announcing the good news, and then they go and see this Christ child for themselves. John 1 is also an important passage, but it looks at this story, the incarnation of Christ 
from a bit of a different perspective, emphasizing Jesus's divine origin, that he was the very son of God who was God and was with God from the very beginning of creation. But both of these passages teach us a very important truth, that what we celebrate at Christmas is the greatest story of all. It's the greatest news for any and all of us to hear. And that is that Jesus has been, is the very Son of God who was sent on a divine rescue mission. See, Jesus is the one who created and sustains us and gives life to all things. John emphasizes that about the Word being the, God, with God in the beginning and how all of creation, everything from, from the trees to the planets to the stars to you and I were created in Him and through Him and for Him. That all things were created by Him. And it is that very God who created and sustains each one of us that came as a child in order to rescue us from our sins. Right? That, if you think about it, that's why there's such fanfare going on in Luke chapter 2. Right? That's why the angels just spontaneously burst out into song and praise because this is the greatest news of all time. That our Creator has, has come in order to rescue us from our sin. See, the birth of Christ, the incarnation, right? that, is, that is God writing Himself into our story. You guys know I, I've quoted C.S. Lewis quite a bit in my time here. He's uh, one of my favorite authors. And, and one of the interesting things about C.S. Lewis is that he was an atheist well into his adult life. And it wasn't until adulthood that he came to faith in Christ. And, and during his time as an atheist, he made an argument that he said, he said to believe that God exists is, is the same as Hamlet believing that Shakespeare exists, right? Hamlet is one of Shakespeare's greatest plays. And C.S. Lewis's argument was that if, even if Shakespeare existed, Hamlet would have no way of knowing who he was, right? As a character in a story, Hamlet had no way of knowing about this Shakespeare that created him, even if he did exist. And C.S. Lewis held it up as a very strong argument for atheism, for the, the lack of belief in God. But then coming to faith in Christ through other circumstances, he revisited that analogy. And he realized, he said, you know, that previous argument holds water until, I should say, unless Shakespeare writes himself into the story. Now, if Shakespeare wrote himself into into the story of Hamlet as a character in the play, then of course Hamlet could know him. Of course Hamlet could know this creator because the creator made himself known by writing himself into the play. You see, at Christmas, that's exactly what God did for us. He wrote himself into the story. He entered into his creation in the form of a little child in order to make the Father known, in order to point us to the one who created us, and ultimately to save us from our sins so that we could once again have a relationship with him. In John 1, verse 14, he uses a very interesting word. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But if you go back to the original language, that word dwelt among us is, it could be translated, he tabernacled among us. Now, that's a very important word because the tabernacle was the place in the Old Testament where God's presence dwelt among his people. It was the original temple that God's people built in the wilderness. 
And that was the place that they would go to meet with God. That was the place where sacrifices were offered for sin. That was the place where they worshipped the Lord. That was the tabernacle. And so in John chapter 1, verse 14, the author says that the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. In other words, this Jesus who was born, this Jesus who lived and died and lived again, was the very presence of God with His people. See, God wanted to make Himself known to us. God wanted to make sure that we knew our Creator, that we knew our Savior, that we knew our Lord. And He ensured that by entering into our story, by becoming like one of us in order to save us. Now, Jesus is Lord, even if the world doesn't recognize Him as such. There was a lot of fanfare when Jesus was born. Angels proclaimed His birth. But he was born in relative obscurity outside of Bethlehem. And later in his life, he would die in relative obscurity outside of Jerusalem, rejected and despised. See, Jesus came to those who were his own, yet his own did not receive him. Religious leaders of Jesus' day often mocked him and rejected him and opposed him. And Jesus died the death of a rebel on a cross outside the city. Yet as John chapter 1 reminds us, the light has shined in the darkness, yet the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness tries to douse the light, it tries to extinguish it, but it has no power to do so. And so even as, even as Jesus hung on the cross, and, and perhaps the, the darkest moment of human history, as the sun itself stopped shining, That was the moment that God's love overcame. That was the moment where Jesus conquered sin and death and the enemy and ensured our salvation. You see, the smallest amount of light will pierce a dark room. It's amazing how, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and it's just dark there. And, and, you know, I use my cell phone as an alarm next to my bed. And so if it's really dark in the room, all I got to do is, is just tap on that screen. It'll, it'll wake up. And it's amazing how just that little dimly lit cell phone screen can light up the whole room. Now, if that little bit of light can make the difference between pitch black and being able to see, think about the light of Christ shining in this world, the light of the world coming to overcome the darkness. Jesus is on a divine rescue mission. He is the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so I encourage you this evening to receive that gift of eternal life. The angels proclaim that that Jesus, this child who was born, is Savior, He's Messiah, He's Lord. It's good news for all people that will cause great joy. In John chapter 1, the author says that, that even though Jesus is rejected, to all who do receive Him, He gives them the right to become children of God. Children adopted into the family with all the rights and privileges of natural born children. See, the good news of the gospel is that, is that Jesus chooses to save His people. He gives us a place in His family. Right? That's especially good news for people that feel lonely and isolated, that feel rejected by the world. Because Jesus looks at us and welcomes us home. 
In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, the author says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, is that it did not know Him. You know, think of the story of the prodigal son, a parable that many are familiar with. Right? There, a father has two sons. One is this young child who, not young child, he's a, the younger son, and he asks his father for his inheritance, and he runs off and, and he spends it all on wild living. The older son stays home and, and, and is upset when the younger child comes back home and, and is welcomed back into the family. You see, the younger child thought that, that he could not find a place in the family because he'd blown it. he made too many mistakes. The older son thought that he had earned his right in the family by staying home and being obedient. But the, the father, the, the, the moral of the prodigal, this parable of the prodigal son is that neither the younger son nor the older son have to earn their place in God's family. That both of them are accepted. Both of them have a place at the table simply because they are children of the Father. And both of them are welcomed with open and loving arms if they just recognize that. You are welcome at God's table. You are welcome to come home. And all you need to do is acknowledge that He is Lord. You see, Jesus is our Savior. He is our Messiah. He is our Lord. And as Luke 2 says, that is good news that will cause great joy for all people. See, the Gospel is that the Savior has come to rescue us. In Titus chapter 3, verses 4-7, through 7, Paul writes, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Right, that's the Gospel, isn't it? That the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared in the form and the person of Jesus Christ. And that He saves us, not because of things we've done, but because of His kindness and His grace and His mercy. Or I like how Paul puts it elsewhere in 1 Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Right? That's the, that's the gospel message in a nutshell. Jesus came to save sinners. And all we need to do is recognize that we are in need of His salvation. And so I invite you again tonight to receive that gift. Right? We, we give and we receive presents at Christmas time. And, and, and a present does us no good if it just stays wrapped under the tree. Right? A present does nobody any good if it's just left there unopened, never to be used or experienced. A gift is received when it's taken, it's opened up, and it's put to use. That's what God desires to do in your life. He, he wants you to take that gift and open it up for yourself. Experience His love, His grace, and His salvation. But He doesn't want it to just end with us either. He wants us to experience that good, good news. He wants us to experience that salvation and become children of God. And then He wants us to share that good news with others. 
Notice the interaction between the angels and the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. Right? The angels tell the shepherds the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is born, that he is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And then they go and they see it for themselves. But they then go and they tell everybody they meet. Right? They go after seeing the Christ child for themselves. They go and they share the good news far and wide because they want everybody else to hear it as well. See, there's a pattern here for us to follow. There's an invitation. There's an experience. There's a transformation and a mission. First of all, we're invited to hear the good news. The invitation is to come and see what God has done. And so, and so we receive that invitation by experiencing God's grace for ourselves. We come and see that good news and experience it in our own way. And there's a transformation that takes place. If we receive that good gift of salvation, then it changes us from the inside out. Like the shepherds, like the angels, we can't help but praise God for what He's done in our lives. There's an invitation to hear the good news. There's an experience to come and see it for themselves. There's a transformation that takes place. But then we can't forget the mission to then go and tell others the good news. See, the pattern of the gospel is come and see and then go and tell. Come and see the good news of Christ and then go and tell everybody that you know about what God has done for you. You know, set off a chain reaction of the gospel. I've never been very, I've never been patient enough to set up dominoes, right? You see those videos where people set up dominoes and make these elaborate setups and then they knock one over and it eventually goes and knocks down all the dominoes. There's some very creative, very patient people out there and I'm not one of them, but they're really cool to see. But if you, even, even these most elaborate setups, it all starts with the one domino at the start. One is knocked over and then it sets off a chain reaction and the rest go down. That's what God desires in us. He wants us to be that first domino or one of those dominoes along the path that experiences the good news of the gospel for themselves and then passes it on to others. And in doing so, we can become part of what God is doing in this world, this great rescue mission that Jesus is on. In just a moment, we're going to end our service by passing the light of the Christ candle around the sanctuary and singing Silent Night together. And the reason we do that is because Christ is the light of the world. As John reminds us, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so we have an opportunity symbolically to take that light from the Christ candle and spread it around this room. And as we do that, the lights are going to be kind of turned off one by one and we're going to sing Silent Night together with the light of Christ shining, not just externally, but in our hearts as well. And it's a great way to end the service. My kids are just saying this is their favorite thing we do all year long, right? But it's more than just a fun activity. It's meant to remind us that we have a responsibility as well to share that light with others. You see, the light starts in one spot, but it quickly spreads around the room as we take that time to pass it to the person next to us. And so I encourage you, as you pass that light, remember how important it is to share the light of Christ with others. That no matter how dark it gets in this world, the light will always, the light of Christ will always shine brighter. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we have this opportunity to worship you this evening. We thank you for the 
gift of your son, Jesus Christ, the greatest gift of all. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come on this divine rescue mission to save us from our sins, that you have entered into our story so that we may know you, we may love you, and we may be in a relationship with you ourselves. I pray, Lord God, that everyone that hears the sound of my voice would receive the gift of eternal life for themselves and share it with others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now our elders and any deacons that are present, I invite you to come forward as we share this light of Christ together. Remember, as John 1 reminds us, the light has shined in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Remember the good news of the gospel that Christ our Savior is born and He invites us all to know Him, to love Him, and to serve Him in this world. As the light is being passed around the sanctuary this evening, I also invite you to stand and we'll sing Silent Night together.
9, 2, 6, and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. On the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. I I encourage you this evening to take the light of Christ with you as you go from this place. May he shine in your heart and in your life so others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Christ our Savior is born. Amen. You may go in peace. Merry Christmas. (laughs) 